The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 120. The Great Salt Lake in Utah is bigger than the entire state of Delaware. Delaware? Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and today, whether you are listening for the very first time or whether you've been with us since the very beginning, I want to say thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for making us a top 100 podcast on iTunes. We really, really appreciate the support. I also want to remind you that we are running a survey at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash survey because we want to feature what you want to listen to. So if you have five minutes or less, you can run over, fill out that survey. We are giving away a $50 Amazon gift card because we value your input that much. So if you have time, extrapackofpeanuts.com slash survey, fill that out and that will help us produce the shows and the topics and the guests that you want to hear. And one of the things that we have found through analyzing the survey data already, we're constantly doing it. As you're sending it in, I'm clicking. Basically, I'm reading everyone as they come in. That's how big of a nerd I am, guys. So keep them coming. It gives me something to do during the day. One of the things you've been telling us that's been coming up is that you want EPOP success stories and you want us to feature people who have used strategies and tips that we teach at EPOP to actually go on these trips and to change their lives and to figure out a way to make travel a bigger part of their lives as opposed to just teaching you theory of here's how to get frequent fire miles and things like that. And so today, I'm super excited to bring on a long-term EPOP reader, someone who is taking an even more ambitious travel lifestyle than myself. And we're going to talk about why it's more ambitious than my travel, and who has started a really cool, beautiful-looking website to document it all, Scott from 12countries.com. So Scott, thanks for coming on the show and welcome. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. And an even bigger thanks for waking up at 7 a.m. to record this podcast. It, it feels weird to me because I don't think I've ever recorded a podcast while I was traveling with someone else who was traveling at that moment as well. So neither of us in America or our home countries. You are actually where right now? Uh, we're in Cape Town, South Africa. Yeah. So you're in Cape Town, South Africa. We're here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It's pretty amazing that we can sit here and talk about travel and record a podcast together. So thanks, Scott, for waking up early. And if you guys want to get the show notes or any of the show notes to any of our episodes, remember, you can always get that at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S. So we'll link up anything that Scott mentions in today's show right there, easy for you. So you can click on those links and head to that stuff. And you can also head to 12countries.com very easily. So Scott, I think the natural starting point would be at the beginning. I want to know why you decided to... We're going to talk about what 12 countries, you know, why 12countries.com, what does that mean? So maybe start us off with that. And then why you decided to take this trip? Because it's... When I first heard about it, when you first wrote me, I thought, this is awesome. Like, this is exactly something that I want to do. So talk about how it came about. Back before kind of everything, we uh, we were just graduating college, my wife and I. And... Uh, 
thought we had everything kind of figured out what we wanted to do. We wanted to live that American dream, buy property, build a house, start our lives, have this career and, you know, 35 years retired, that whole deal. Because that's kind of what we were taught to to look forward to. And that was sort of the plan that we were, that we thought we were going to have for ourselves. And at this time, we were also trying to have children. Things just weren't working out the way that we wanted it to. You know, we were looking at houses, we just couldn't find what we wanted. We were looking at career choices, just couldn't find what we wanted there either. And we decided that since things weren't working out our way, we were just going to go ahead and travel around the U.S. for a bit. So we moved to the East Coast for about three or four months, stayed with my wife's parents as kind of a home base. And then every week we were going to a different city, different state, and just trying to get a feel for travel. And we had traveled before, but nothing extensively like this. So this was a very big first for us, but something we always knew we wanted to do. And on that trip, we realized we loved it so much that we wanted to do this for a a longer period of time than just a couple of months and more than just the one country that we were kind of already familiar with. And so that sort of is what gave birth to the idea of living in 12 different countries. The idea of 12 countries really started because it sounded really catchy to say 12 countries in 12 months. (laughs) Right. A nice, Uh, easy tagline, right? Yeah. So figured that was a good place to start knowing that, you know, things might change. We'll probably alter the trip, alter the name, so on and so forth. But the more that it became a reality, the more we realized we really liked the idea. And that's because during our travels, we wanted more to, to focus on a specific area and get to know that area as much as we could before moving on to the next. Because that's when you make friendships. That's when you really kind of get to know the food that's in the area or where to shop, what to do, what you know, living and thinking like the locals do, uh, which is, you know, a big aspect of how people like to travel these days, especially. And so for us, the prospect of being in the country submerged for the full month allowed us to uh, do those kind of things and travel the way we, we thought we really kind of wanted to travel. And of course, we'd have to test that theory out later. Right. <laughs> you always think, Right. In your head, it's a lot different than what actually comes about, which is going to be interesting because I can't wait to hear kind of how things worked in your head versus how they worked in reality. But I 100% agree with you. Like, we're here in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and we've come through Chiang Mai two other times, and it's always been for a couple days. And, you know, we got a good feel for it because we did a lot of things and we did stuff very quickly. But now we've been here for about three and a half weeks, all told. And it is, it's such a different feeling. You know, we we have our favorite place to eat cow soy curry. Like we we know all the little things. We've really got to dig in. And not only and we're going to talk about this, does it make travel a lot cheaper, but it also makes you feel like you've become part of that. And I don't think you can ever say, you know, I lived in Japan 2 years and I still didn't feel like I really knew everything that was going on. But you feel much more acclimated and in tune with the area than if you're just passing through for a couple days. Absolutely. So for you then, you you decided to take this trip. How long from when you thought, all right, we're going to do this 12 countries thing. We're going to do 12 countries in 12 months. So we're going to take off for a year. When did the idea come to your head? And then how long was it until you actually decided, like, you know, you got on the plane and you were leaving to begin the journey? So we started thinking about this about July of 2012. That's when we were traveling around a bit in the U.S. We kind of tossed it around for a bit, and it finally kind of clicked and said, yeah, this is actually what we want to do about a year later. We knew we wanted to do it 
we decided to financially plan for it, do everything that we could to make it a reality. And there were a lot of barriers in the way. You know, at that point, I was working remotely, but for a specific company that wouldn't really allow me to travel. Lots of different factors, including debt and just general not knowing what to do. When all was said and done, we were able to get our foot out the door, leave on the plane April 1st of 2014. So it was a lot longer than we expected it to take. But given that in between that time, we had a child and had to make certain (laughs) concessions to our travel plans for that. I think that was uh, pretty good as far as having such a large idea and then finally making it happen. Yeah. So you mentioned that you had a child. So kind of just brushed over that a little bit, but that's a huge (laughs) part. And I think that's why like when I first heard your story, when you first came to me and said, hey, I'm building this site, and I'm like, this looks great. And you're like, and we have a kid. I thought, oh my gosh, all right. This is really a cool story here because for me and my wife at this point, we can travel and it's just us two. You know, there isn't really any worries, any responsibilities or anything like that other than to each other. Having a child makes things much different. I, I know that. I don't know how it makes it different, which is why we have you on the show. So how did this trip, because you, you had started planning the trip, I think, right before you knew that you were going to have a kid. Is that right? Right. Yeah. All right. So then talk about how it, it changed it. And then, of course, why you've been on this trip. You know, what some of the things that have come up with, with the child. I mean, obviously, I guess let's first go and how did it change your thinking? And why did you decide to then say, hey, we have this big life decision that we made. Now, boom, we have another life decision, but we're going to still travel. Because a lot of people would have thrown in the towel, I think. Yeah, and it it was very tempting to do so. When we first started planning, I mean, we were already trying to have children, but it just, you know, things weren't working out as often is the case. And so we kind of saw travel as a a way to not wait for that to happen, but sort of as a way to enrich our lives in a way that we really wanted to, to always do. And so as we were planning our traveling, you know, we found out that we were pregnant or that my wife was pregnant uh, in the very beginning of January 1st, 2013. And that's when we said, uh-oh, well, if we're really going to do this trip, we're going to have to figure out exactly how it's going to work. And thankfully, because we had already sort of planned on traveling slower, we figured that was going to be what we still want to do. You know, we weren't going to be able to bounce around to different cities every day or two days or anything like that. But it worked out in our favor anyway, because we, we've done that before, and we didn't really want to do that. We wanted to take our time. As much as we could, we read up on other people's blogs, people who had traveled with children, people who have you know, flown across the world with children, those kind of things. Nothing really kind of fit exactly what <laughs> we were planning on doing, and it's probably because we're crazy. Right, right. I was going to say, so then you had to do it. Of course, then you had to do it, because someone else out there is looking for information, and you had to be the one to provide it, right? Exactly. That was a big thing is, you know, in the same way that, you know, your blog and other people's blogs have helped us to figure how we can do it. We wanted to also provide that in the case that someone else was looking and said, you know what, I really want to do this. We just kind of wanted to serve as a way for them to see and say, yeah, it has been done. It's something that I can do. And especially now looking you know, back at our experiences, absolutely. I would recommend it to anyone who's who's kind of uh, crazy enough to do it. It's a lot of hard work, but it's something that we felt has completely changed our lives for the better. Did the travel planning actually 
change much? Because you mentioned that you were slow traveling already or planning to do at least, a, you know, kind of a month in each country. So that that obviously didn't change it. And I think, you know, hey, if anyone travels too fast like myself and you want to slow down, just have a kid, right, Scott? I mean, then you have to. <laughs> just an <laughs> yeah. easy, easy life decision right there for uh, for people who can't slow themselves down. But did the actual planning change much? Or was it kind of like, well, you know what? Now we just have to do what we were going to do anyway. It's going to be a little harder, but we're going to continue to do the exact kind of the exact same thing. Well, the biggest change that we had was uh, the timing of it. We knew that we weren't going to be flying out with a newborn, right? Um, and you know, even though we still hadn't at this point figured out exactly what countries we were going to or which direction across the world we were going to start. Because, you know, I think at this point we were actually looking into starting through South America, which is uh, quite a bit different than starting from New Zealand and Australia, where we actually did end up. And so there's certain things that we had to contemplate, being that we were going to be traveling with a child under a year. And, uh, you know, we made some realizations that that definitely helped guide when we should leave. You know, we planned financially and everything to leave at the beginning of 2014, but it ended up better leaving four months into it. As far as kind of changing everything else, you know, the sort of the misconception that I think is revolving around children is how expensive they are. And yeah, they're expensive. I mean, there's all these statistics saying that children cost you like 2 million or something over the course of their 18 years of life. And <laughs> that it's only is scary, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a big number. When you think about it, uh, how much are you really spending when they're younger? Because there's a lot of things that I think we think we need but we don't really need. And so we were kind of going under that theory and that's sort of a part of what this trip has been is an experiment to uh, really test that out. And as it turns out, you really don't need a whole lot for a newborn. And it's, there's different cases, of course. This is, we had a lot of great luck with having you know, a Carter, our child, be healthy and everything just kind of worked out really well. It definitely does not always work like that. But for us, financially, when we thought about it, you know, we, we didn't need a crib because co-sleeping is something that we always wanted to do. My wife was going to be breastfeeding. And so that helped out with formula and food and bottles. And then, you know, the other biggest concern was space in our bags because we weren't trying to travel with a lot of things. We're actually, uh, you could say backpacking in the sense that we only have two backpacks worth of stuff. We never check our bags. So you're doing all carry-ons then? All carry-on, which is nice, but we're very, very limited. Yeah, but you know, people always say to me, Trav, how can you do just a carry-on? And then they, I tell them, and they say, okay, well, you're a guy who doesn't really care about what you look like, right? And then I say, <laughs> okay, well, here's my wife who runs a fashion blog and like obviously cares what she looks like. And then like, okay, you know, so that kind of makes my argument a little stronger. And now we have you coming on saying, all right, there's two of us and there's a baby, and we're still doing just carry on. So I love that, Scott. So thanks, man. I'm just going to point him this episode whenever they give me flack. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we, we knew that uh, we wanted to travel light. We knew that it was going to be better for us to do that. Yeah. When you think of a baby, you think of, well, there's a crib, there's a stroller, there's all these different things. And we just kind of went one by one and eliminated them. Instead of a stroller, we had, we carry him on our, on our backs with uh, an ergo baby carrier which, I mean, there's there's any number of baby carriers that you can use that would help. Instead of a crib, you know, we co-slept with them. And we actually have a crib now, uh, but it's a travel crib. 
And it's absolutely awesome because it's about six, seven pounds and packs into something smaller than a carry-on size bag. And there's all these different things that we lined up and said, you know what, even financially, this isn't going to be so much of a burden that we couldn't go. And all in all, the budget that we had set would basically increase by maybe 20% to account for things that we didn't know of. That was it. Yeah. And so far, it's been fantastic. That's, that's incredible. Do you know the name just off offhand of the crib? Because if someone's listening and, and thinks, all right, that's that's great. I mean, how did you find it? Is there a certain brand that you recommend? Yeah, uh, Guava Family is the name of the, the brand. And the crib is just their, their primary travel crib. Okay. And not only has it been you know a fantastic travel crib, we're excited to looking forward to using it for our future children as well because it's so light, so easy to carry around. And you know I don't have tons of experience with other cribs, but uh, from what I have been able to tell, they're even the pack and plays are very clunky, hard to move around, that kind of thing. So awesome, absolutely perfect for us. Yeah, it's always good when someone's doing it and gives you a. I, I always want like a specific thing, like okay, that's great, you know, travel crib. Tell me which one to get. I'll just go and buy it, right? <laughs> you know, and that's 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 always so so much easier. So if you guys are listening, we'll link that in the show notes, of course, and you can find that. But I love that you broke down the numbers and and basically figure out that a child was not going to be much more. In fact, uh, traveling with a child maybe would be less than actually staying at home with a child. Like maybe a child wouldn't increase your spending at home 20%, maybe it would increase it 30 or 40 because you would be getting all these other things that everyone else has, right? Because they're at home and it's easy to do. You kind of forced yourself to to really cut down because you couldn't have all that stuff. So that's, I think that's a really interesting point that you made there. Another thing that we discovered is when we're in each country, because we're in there for you know a longer period of time, and not moving around within the country a whole lot, we can go to op shops or secondhand stores and uh, buy whatever we're missing as far as clothing or toys or anything like that. So every country we've been able to do that, even you know in, in uh, the more obscure countries where there might not be those kind of opportunities. There's always ways that we have been able to figure out to get those things that maybe we're not taking with us from place to place because of the room. Yeah, there's there's kids in every country. So there's no countries without kids. You can always find stuff. Because then you decided, I'm going to do this, right? I'm going to, we're going to travel with this kid. What have been with with Carter? I shouldn't say this kid. I'm sorry. We're going to travel with Carter. We're going to travel with Carter. What are some of the biggest obstacles then of traveling with a child that either, and we could take this two ways. Maybe there's some that you thought would be an obstacle that ended up not being an obstacle. Or is there some that have come up that you thought, hey, we never even, this never even crossed our mind. As as far as actual traveling goes, the biggest obstacle, of course, was the cost. Well, I'd say it's almost 50-50, the cost and then being on extended plane rides with the baby, uh, <laughs> obviously. Financially, it wasn't too much of a burden because we looked at the the cost and even though we weren't able to use our points for, for most of the flights we were taking, and there might be a way, I'm, I just we haven't been able to figure that out if that's the case. But the cost of a baby was only 10% of the ticket, of a normal ticket price, because we were always traveling with him as a lap child. And since he's under two for the duration of this trip, we knew that we could count on, on that. And with international flights, almost all across the board, every airline we've flown with, it's been that 10% of a normal ticket price. So, you know, we're not looking at the hundreds of dollars here, because more often than not, we're flying economy, just because that's how it works out. 
we're looking at, you know, I think the max price that we paid for him has been about a hundred dollars and that's flying basically from one side of the world to the other. And so <laughs> lucky you know, Carter. Uh, yeah. Good for him. It's interesting being able to, to look at that and saying, you know, over the course of this year, his tickets, as far as flying is only going to cost us somewhere under a thousand dollars, which is amazing. As soon as they're two years old, though, it's a completely different story. It makes it much, much harder. It's it's easy to kind of be the passenger who doesn't have the kid and say, you know, oh, why is that kid crying or that kind of thing? And that's fine. I completely understand because I've been there. <laughs> but when you're on a plane with a hundred and some odd people in one room, essentially, and they're all tightly closed in, it really kind of takes being a parent to understand the difficulties with keeping a kid happy and calm and quiet and all those different things. And we'd never flown with him before. We'd never flown with any baby before. And so it was going to be a completely new experience. And the first flight we took, aside from uh, domestically, was a flight from LA to New Zealand. And <laughs> yeah, throwing was, him right in the fire there. That's like a, what, exactly. a 16-hour trip or more. Yeah, it was, it was about 16 hours total. And uh, the uh, the interesting thing is it was a red eye as well. So we had no idea how that was going to work out. All things considered, Carter did fantastic. I'm not sure if any of the people flying with us would say the same, but from our perspective, he didn't cry that much. And this was, he was seven months old at this point, but he didn't cry. He slept a, a, a good portion of it. We didn't, but he did. It worked out well enough to where we, we weren't looking toward our next flights and saying, oh my goodness, how are we going to do this? You just kind of have to get used to it. You have to understand that, you know, if you bring new toys, it will help. If you bring food items, it'll help, you know, being able to kind of carry on things for the baby in a separate bag, apart from your allowed carry on luggage, we've been able to kind of work that pretty easily. You know, we've never been checked or stopped or anything for having, you know, just a, just a plastic bag or some bag full of um, food and toys and everything like that, just to make sure that the flight goes as smoothly as possible for everyone on there. Yeah, and that, that's so interesting because like you, I have I've been the person on the plane who sat there and said, "Oh, I can't believe there's like a kid behind me." You know, and and I know that it's not anyone's fault. It's not the kid's fault. It's not the parent's fault. It's no one's fault. But you sit there and you think, "Oh, man, how did I get stuck like on this plane with this kid behind me?" And then I tend to think Travis, at some point, that's going to be you. So you better not be glaring at that person because you don't, you know, it's not, it, you know, it's no one's fault. It's just, like you mentioned, an inconvenience. And I think it does take a parent to really understand what the other parent is going through. How does then having a child in the other countries work out? Like, have you had any issues with that? Has it been much better than you expected, much harder than you expected? Because the travel part, like you mentioned, it's not expensive really, but you know, getting on a plane for 16 hours is a bit more difficult with a, with a child. But then when you're in those countries and you're there for about a month, how has Carter taken to that? And you know, what are some things that you've done to make it more comfortable for him and to make it a good environment for him? Because you're not going to all these places, and we'll talk about all the places you've gone in a little bit, but you're not going to, hey, we're going to stay in the middle of Paris or we're going to stay in these luxury places. You're going a bunch of, to different types of cultures and different types of places. We've been really, really lucky, I'm pretty sure, because Carter has just been a fantastic traveler. With the longer flights, and we experienced this from the, right from the get-go, 
it takes a little bit of time for everybody, but especially for babies to adjust to uh, the different hour. You know, the fact that we were supposed to be waking up at a time where we usually are going to bed was a little bit of a change. But honestly, it only took about three days for Carter to get acclimated to uh, the new schedule. And that's kind of what it's been consistently through every country. And actually, the past two countries, it, you know, hasn't been much of a problem at all. Things are going to be different for every kid. But I know that change of environment uh, really kind of depends on the child's personality. But for us, it was really, really simple, which is nice. Being in the country itself, we have been using Airbnb for almost every place that we've stayed. And it's primarily because Airbnb allows the people who offer the hosts the opportunity to offer their places for a cheaper monthly rate. And that was another reason why we wanted to stay for a month is because we knew by doing so, we'd be able to get a really good rate compared to if you're jumping around and staying in a hotel every night and having the prices be jacked up to astronomical amounts. So instead of staying in New Zealand or something and bouncing around and having to pay about $2,000 or something in uh, bed and breakfasts and hotels in different places, by staying in one place, we ended up spending uh, about $1,000 for the entire month. And that's for a very comfortable spot right in the center of uh, Nelson. Wonderful host, wonderful place. We have loved that ever since. So I think staying in one place has been extremely helpful. The less we move around as far as where we stay at night, easier it is for Carter to get acclimated and to become familiar with everything. And he sleeps much better because of that. I'm not so sure about when we bounce around. Yeah, yeah. And I think you guys have set a really good precedent for anyone listening as to how to go about it. And obviously not everyone listening we know can can go away for a year and say we're going to spend a month in each country and this and that. But it is, especially with a child, I mean, I found just for myself and for Heather, the slower we travel, the better we acclimate and the more enjoyable it is for us. I can only imagine that just is exponential when you're traveling with a one-year-old because you know they don't really know that they're bouncing around in terms of you know they don't know where they're going but obviously uprooting a kid and 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 doing all that it would be tough if you're going every couple of days i would assume <laughs> yeah definitely in fact that's one of the biggest kickbacks i guess you could say we get from people which you know it isn't very often we get any criticism or anything like that but when we do it often is because of the fact that we're traveling with the baby because I think that a lot of people's perspective on how things should be is different than what we're doing. And um, the biggest concern of, of other people and how we're raising our child, I guess, is that understanding or that, that uh, belief that a child needs to be in one spot to have that stability. But for us, we've discovered that, you know, my wife and I are always with Carter. We're always kind of doing different things, but keeping a similar uh, layout of the day similar bedtimes, similar um, processes that we go throughout the day with. And that has provided him enough stability to where we can travel without any kickback, without any problems. Again, I think it's different for every child, but for us, that stability has really come from us being there and the processes that we've been able to stay with on a daily basis. It's really been fantastic. And you know, where we were concerned at first, you know, eight months into it, where we're at now, we really have had no problems where we thought we might have at least some. 
And you mentioned that, and it was kind of the, the last little thing I want to touch on with traveling with a child. When you originally had this plan, I'm sure a lot of people said, oh, that's awesome. You guys are going to travel the world for a year. Like, good for you. You're young. You know, everyone says, that's like, do it while you're young. And, and usually people get on board with it, right? But then, oh, well, by the way, we also pregnant. Did that change a lot of people's opinions and with the stuff you had to put up with, I guess? And then was there a way that you were able to either change their mind or did you just decide... Oh, you know, we're not going to listen to people who are telling us that this is a bad decision because it's our own life and we're going to do it. How did you deal with that if you if you had people who were kind of critical of it? Uh, we did have a couple. There was, you know, very few times where someone personally or someone in front of us would be having any conflicting things with it. There are a couple of occasions that are almost comical at this point that we like to look back at and laugh at because at this point we kind of get to say, we told you so. And it's not that it's about that, but it's kind of like, you know, where someone was so adamant that we're going to ruin our child or ruin our family or something like that. You know, it's absolutely not the case. We kind of knew that even before we started, we wouldn't have done this. This wasn't an experiment of whether or not we were going to survive or whether or not we were going to ruin our child. It was more a matter of, could we handle the, the pressures that it's going to take in order to keep somewhat of a normal life and keep this an environment where, you know, we know that Carter can grow and we can feel comfortable raising him. And it's absolutely been the case. As far as kind of other blowback, usually it's been on the internet from people who don't know us, from people who really have not looked at the circumstances. But, you know, we posted a, an article on our packing list or something like that, as a lot of travelers do. And, uh, you know, we, of course, had a little bit of uniqueness to it since we were going out with a baby for a year and we're just using two backpacks. And as soon as we posted that, we got almost all negative comments from certain places that we posted it online on, you know, when we posted it toward people that had already been familiar with our journey, they loved it. They thought it was great. There's a lot of people actually who have contacted us and said, you know, asked, asked additional questions as far as what they can bring different things like that, because it's been very helpful. But when people don't know the situation, people kind of look at it from, just a glance, they say, oh, that's very irresponsible. That's a horrible <laughs> thing for them to do. Usually it's people who don't have children or who, again, kind of prescribe to that mentality that this is how it has to be. You know, we've been able to look at that and say, you know what, people are going to think what they think and that's okay. And we're going to think what we think. And as long as we feel like we're not doing things to damage our child or our family's future, we're going to keep doing them because what we feel about this trip, we feel very strongly. You know, we want to do this for the rest of our lives, not necessarily this constant travel, but we want to live in a different country for one to three months every year. And that's with all of our family. And we're going to have, you know, more kids than Carter. And we want to continue that philosophy. And by doing this now, we're able to say later on, you know, hey, that was a really hard task. There was a lot of people against us. There was a lot of things that could have gone wrong but we were able to overcome it. And, you know, maybe it's not going to be so hard to take our family, our entire family across the world for a shorter period of time. Yeah. Shame on you for wanting to show your, your child the world. I can't believe you, Scott. <laughs> the other thing is a lot more understandable. A lot of, um, a lot of people aren't necessarily complaining or upset or anything. They're just kind of confused. You know, why are you taking a trip around the world with a one-year-old? Like what's, what's he going to remember? And for us, yeah, we understand that. He's not going to look back and say, hey, remember that time we were uh, hanging out in the ocean in Philippines or, you know, anything like that. But our our thought process is that, you know, what he will glean from this is more than just, 
you know, retrospect and, and memories and different things like that. He's going to learn and grow in different ways than we would have been able to experience being back home. And there's no problems with how he would grow back there, but that we wanted to infuse travel into our lives. So, so integral that, that we wanted him to have the same desire and respect for it. And on top of that, not only is he going to have this lifestyle, but then, I mean, you're on this trip as well, and you're growing and changing as you go as well. So it's not just what is Carter going to get out of it, but it's like, what are you going to get out of it? Yeah. Well, there you guys have it. Part one of my interview with Scott Manning from 12countries.com. And maybe you're listening today and this was very applicable to you. And Scott's tips and tricks for traveling with an infant hit home because you have an infant right now or you're going to be having an infant. And if that's the case, that is awesome. Scott had some amazing advice. Maybe it's semi-applicable to you. Maybe you're someone like me who will be traveling with an infant sooner in the future. And if so, that's great too. Make sure to come back and listen to this episode when you need it. And maybe you're listening and thought Scott's story is great, but it might not apply to me the whole traveling with an infant part. If that's the case, don't worry. Tomorrow, part two with Scott works for everyone. Scott gives us great advice and tips and tricks on how they're able to travel to 12 countries in 12 months, how they're able to keep their costs down. He dives right into his budget with very specific numbers. He mentions some incredible ways that they've got good deals on accommodations. He also mentions the accommodations themselves and we'll link them in the show notes. So if you're going to the same place, maybe you want to stay at the exact same place that Scott was at. He'll give us links for the places that he recommended. So lots of great stuff in tomorrow's episode. He also talks about his favorite countries so far and his least favorite countries and some of the struggles they've had in some of those countries. So you don't want to miss part two. Remember, you can get all the show notes or any of the podcasts that come out at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. Of course, the episodes are in iTunes and Stitcher as well. So you can listen to it that way. If you want more information about Scott and his travels, 12countries.com. Check it out. And as always, guys, thank you so much for the support. Thank you for making us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until tomorrow, happy free travels. <laughs>